This episode of the podcast is brought to you by sitting in your bedroom alone, performing a seance to summon the demon king, painting himself, and asking him one simple question. Do these jeans make me look fat? And I just wanted to come in, not to make it weird, but just to make sure that you weren't feeling strange. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Frank. Zach, this is where you introduce yourself. Dude, what the fuck is this movie? Oh, it's crazy. But this is not what you told me it was. <laughs> what do you mean? This you told me there was some weird shit about like the Johnsons where like they they like kill and eat people. I did not say that. <laughs> I thought you said that. What is this movie? Yeah, <laughs> it's fucking uh, Christ. It's it's intense for sure. Um, but I don't. Re- did I really tell you that? I think so. I don't think I told I'm you that. I'm pretty sure you did. <laughs> Well, then maybe it was just me trying to, like, you know, get you, like, entice you into it. Um, but let's go over who's in it and let's talk about everything and then we can really get break down what the fuck is going on. Yeah. Okay. So, Strange Things About the Johnsons came out in 2011, directed by Ari Aster. Mm-hmm. His not so feature film, but his very first, like, short film. Yeah. His first directorial debut. Yeah. You have Brandon Greenhouse, who plays Isaiah. You have Angela Bullock, who plays Joan, his mom, and you have Bill Mayo, who plays Sidney, his dad, and that is it. Yeah, that's uh, that's everybody really. Cause, yeah, it's it's a very encased film, mm-hmm. uh, and the description of this movie is <laughs> you. Your face is just like pure unhappiness. Uh, I didn't know what this was going into it. Um, the so, wedding scene freaked me out. So this is a film about a family whose son, throughout his entire adolescence all the way into the current day, is molesting and raping his own father. Uh, and where we get to and what it leads up to is this which is what Ari Aster, in my opinion, does best, Mm -hmm. is the breakdown of a family. Yes, that is a trope of him that he does incredibly well. Yeah. Um, And it's... I remember this movie... I, so it's actually, like, kind of funny because I never realized that this was an Ari Aster film Mm -hmm. until, like, actually, like, this year. Oh, really? Because... Um, yeah, because I saw that A24 tweeted something mm-hmm. about Ari Aster and then they like, they were mentioning the strange thing about the Johnsons and I was like, why are they mentioning the strange things about the Johnsons? Because I remember when this movie, so like when we were like kids back mm-hmm. in whatever it was, 2011, this all, I remember like in my school, like everybody was talking about it. It was like, you know, like a, a viral video that that was going around and everyone was like, have you seen the strange thing about the Johnsons? You got to see, you got to watch it. You got to watch it. You got to watch it. And and I remember watching it, and I was like, "This is a <laughs> this is this something. Is, this is definitely something." And so I, I thought it was so interesting. Now, like you know, going back and because I I love Hereditary and I really really like Midsummer, and then going back and realizing like, oh my god, that was Ari Aster. Mm-hmm. Like that is the that is Ari Aster. Like that's it was just like kind of mind blowing. So then so then going back and rewatching it this time around and seeing just how far this man has come from from his debut and. And how much he's developed as a screenwriter, and and still kind of leaning into the the dark crevices of his brain and mind that that like clearly like where he lives when he's making when he's writing films. Yeah, because I will say like this film, while incredibly disturbing, 
that is also like a plus to it because I've never seen a film with one, a story like this or two, like how it's handled. Yeah. And the way that like Ari Aster really like shapes like his stories. Yeah. It, it fits so perfectly. Cause like with hereditary you have where a good three quarters Quarters, of the, yeah. yeah, Three quarters (laughs) of the film is really just like a family breaking down. And then you add in possession. Right. Midsommar, you have, three quarters of the film that's really just a relationship a ra- yeah a relationship breaking down and then you have cult shit for yeah. the rest of it yeah so like for this like it's really interesting to see like again relationship breakdown yeah and then crazy shit yeah so like, let's just discuss it like we'll discuss it and then we'll talk about like the development of Ari Aster yeah so I know that you're you seem to be like flustered by it, but like first time <laughs> watching it, like did you enjoy it? Did did, did you like it? I mean, it, it's kind yeah. of a weird film to say that you enjoy it because yeah. it's so dark. It's and, taboo yeah. in a way, and 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 it's very just yeah. It's weird to be like I enjoy this. Yeah, but well, from the very beginning, like I was like, what is going on? Because you open with like Isaiah, the masturbation yeah, scene. Just I mean, he's a kid. Yeah, that's what kids do. Right. Um, and his dad, like, just barging in yeah. and then being like, oh, shit, I'm sorry. Like, I should have knocked. Like, you know, it's normal. Like, you can do this. Like, And it's like this genuine, like, kind yeah. of heartfelt father and son, like, mm-hmm. moment where it's like, hey, like, I don't want you to feel embarrassed about this. Like, everybody does it. You're at that age. Like, I've done it. Like, it's it's just what people do. Yeah. And from that shot first, like, I could tell, like, okay, this is Ari Aster because how he kind of, like, blocked the framing of it. Yeah. Like, where... It's basically like he set up a camera on like the headboard yeah. of the bed and just had like this full on like square box shape to the room. Mm-hmm. And it's very reminiscent of like how he did it for like the very beginning of Hereditary. Yeah. Where like it... how he mapped out like just the room. Yeah. And then, yeah, then you have where it's revealed that Isaiah had like a picture of his dad in yeah. his hand that he was doing it to. So that was weird. <laughs> um, and yeah. then shoot forward to Isaiah's wedding day. And you still you, like something that Ari Aster has always done that like I've really appreciated is he makes you feel uneasy mm-hmm. in a very mundane setting. Mm-hmm. Like just the conversation there between like Isaiah and Sydney. Like about like, hey, masturbation is okay. Like you can do it. Still unsettled it's me. It's still Cause, like this because I wasn't of uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't sure like what I was in for just yet at that point, but I knew I felt uneased. Yeah, and then you have like you know the wedding photo and like you know Sydney is just like no longer smiling in any picture. Like he's just frowning, and like you have Isaiah just smiling like over the top. Yeah, and you feel like this unease to it. Mm-hmm. And then you have like you know where he takes his dad like to the side and then sucks his dick. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, he does um, do that. Yep. But you have like the mom kind of coming over and like looking through the people and it was very reminiscent to again hereditary with the mom yeah. of just like facial expressions and like showing the fear on yeah, her face. Yeah, I think I think that like this movie really showcases hereditary's development yeah like for me like this is like i see a little bit of midsommar like specifically with um 
the 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 like barbecue that they're having like the at the party you know mm-hmm. and and everyone's just kind of like it's it's very like bright and vibrant and and like the camera work is like just like following the wife around like mm-hmm. while she's like talking to everybody and whatever like that feels more like midsummer where it's just like this really bright but also it feels uncomfortable and weird mm-hmm. at the same time but i would say that definitely like you can really really feel the influence of this film in hereditary like the most yeah and that's maybe where like i got mixed up because like you would tell me for years where it's like oh something strange about the johnsons is basically just hereditary but like what he wanted to fully do with it Mm -hmm. so i was kind of going in thinking like okay this is going to be like maybe a possession thing or maybe this is going to be like a murder type thing or something like that and it threw me off guard because like once you find out all this stuff you're like oh fuck like this is what the film's about yeah i do think that it's it it kind of is best viewing this movie without knowing anything yeah i think like going in just watching this and then maybe watching hereditary just so you can see the development because i can definitely see it like how how it influenced him for this for hereditary yeah and then something that i thought was really cool idea too was Sydney's whole thing of like trying to write like the memoirs of like okay like this is what's been gonna, going on yeah. like I'm gonna out my son yeah and a part of me it didn't make sense because it was like why don't you just stand up to your your son like beat him or something like beat him up <laughs> <laughs> well you have to understand that like he's just so scared of him like yeah I mean like, like I I get it because it's like his, Sydney at this point is like a frailer older man yeah. And like Isaiah is in like the prime of his life and yeah. like no matter what Isaiah will probably like beat him. Mm-hmm. But like it's still just kind of like I I get it like it's been going on for years but there's got to be like something that like Sydney can do to like stop this and that is writing like the memoirs of uh Cocoon Man. Yeah. And trying to like publish it where mm-hmm. it's like this is a non-offensive well non-offensive way that he can like combat his son. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So I thought that was like a really cool idea. And like you have like some kind of tropey like horror stuff in there where it's like it's dinner time and like he's trying to delete the file and it just won't delete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, okay, like, I mean, I get it. It's tension building, but yeah. it's not like your best just yet. For sure. Definitely. Um, I love, love, love this scene where where kind of like continuing the plot here where he's sitting at the table. They're all sitting at the mm-hmm. table and the son's getting like kind of pissed off about like the father not wanting the beer. But um, the wife says, like, oh, I'll have one. And the son gets kind of, like, snappy. Yeah, the mom was like, well, they're dad, so you have to ask him. Yeah. And then the, the the husband and wife hold each other's hands because, you know, that's just – they just love each other. Yeah. And you have that beautiful shot of the son looking at their hands being held. And and you can feel his anger that that uh that is developing within within inside of him because he's like so jealous yeah and then you have that incredible like pan down below the table and at that point they like go of each other's hands and then you have the son like kind of playing footsies with his dad kind of like still reminding him like your mind your mind like Mm -hmm. you're never full like you know you're still mine no matter what and that is the type of visual storytelling that I think Ari Aster like really excels in mm-hmm. because he's able to convey all of like you 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 are able to totally understand exactly what's going on without any dialogue being said. Yeah, and that's where like that's one of the things that he does so well. Yeah, uh, something that I thought 
was really good, much like with um, Guillermo del Toro's Kronos, where you said it, where I'm glad that he decided to stop using it, was there was a couple of times where uh, Ari Aster used, like, shaky cam type stuff, Mm -hmm. specifically, like, in the last kind of, like, brawl scene almost, where I'm very happy that he decided, like, okay, I'm not going to use this because in Hereditary and Midsommar, he does not use, like, anything of, like, shaky cam. It's or, very, like... It's very still. Yeah. It's very, like, precise. It's yeah. very projected, like, so in that way you can tell what's going on. And while there is, like, a realm for shaky cams, because I think, like, when it's done right, it can be used very well, especially in horror films. Yeah. Um, For him to use it here didn't really make sense because it was more of just, like, his dad trying to, like, run out of the house and then get hit by the car. Yeah. And then you don't see that in Hereditary or Midsommar. So, like, I'm happy that he decided not to use this anymore and really, like, develop his skill a little bit more as a director. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Yeah, and then you get to the point where he, the father gets, and he ends up, like, getting killed Mm -hmm. uh, and by by the car. And then you have kind of, like, the climax where the mother ends up, like, questioning her son. And they end up having, like, their kind of battle, and she ends up killing the son. Yeah. And again, it's it's the breakdown of a family. Yeah. Like, it's done so well because it's like, you know, Joan knows at this point. Like, she's known since the wedding and she kind of, like, just brushes it off because she doesn't know how to deal with it. Yeah. And now there's a real opportunity to be like, what's going on? And it doesn't start off, like, violent, but it builds to that. Yeah. And I want to talk about her character, mm-hmm. um, but I want to I wanna kind of talk about her character last because okay. she's kind of like... She's, like, the final scene. Yeah, and she's the least, like, explored on. Yeah, but... um, But I do think she's important. Mm-hmm. Um, But, so, one thing that Ari Aster, f- for me, has always done in th- in his past two films is he always leaves me jaw-dropped. Mm-hmm. Hereditary, in theaters, when, the when the sister... When the sister loses her head, mm-hmm. literally jaw-dropped for, like, three minutes. Yeah. Midsommar... The intro where the parents are getting, they end up getting killed with the hoses and then the exhaust. Yep. Literally jaw dropped. This film, photo, photograph of kid masturbating to his own father, mm-hmm. jaw dropped. Like every yeah. time, like he has a way of hooking you in so well. And so early and, on too. Yeah, and just being like, where are we going from here now? Like, how can we progress this story? Because I cannot believe what I just saw. Mm-hmm. And he has, it's it's so excellent to see that from his debut, he had that about him where he knows how to make an audience member uncomfortable, jaw drop, but still wanting to see where the story goes. Yeah. One last thing too that I wanted to add in before we talk about like Joan is... um. The use of facial features that like he does so well, yeah, because you Tony know, Collette and Hereditary, yeah, is like Tony Prime, <laughs> yeah, Tony Collette and Hereditary, and then Danny Pugh, like in Midsommar, like he has this way about like bringing these actors like so well, like with their facial features of like conveying emotion and like how they're feeling, and I think in this one with Sydney, um, with the bathtub scene. While it is the roughest, I think, in the entire film, it is the most powerful for, like, his fear by just showing it through his face of, like, Isaiah reading the memoirs and then trying to, like, just break in while he's taking a bath. Yeah. 
and you have like this slow descent where like he's listening to music on his headphones so he's not hearing it at first yeah and you hear like the the doorknob jiggle and then it starts to get louder like he's trying to like kick it in and then you see Sydney take off the headphones and be like what is that and then realize the fucking door just swings open yeah <laughs> and then that face that facial is fe- of yeah. just like oh my god like yeah. what's gonna happen mm-hmm. yeah I but mean, he knows yeah it's 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 really terrifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, another another really uh, another great thing that I I'm so glad he kind of was able to flesh out better was I don't look. This is a short film. It's thirty minutes, like pretty much flat. Mm-hmm. So the pacing of this film feels a little bit fast, mm-hmm. but it also you have to understand that it needs to be kind of fast because we need to have you know conflict like, resolution yeah, in this time exactly. Frame. So you know I'm so happy that. Ari Aster now as a as a actual real filmmaker he he does he takes his time now yeah. and and he really really fleshes out all of the characters that that he feels necessary to and and he's so much more like meticulous with the detail in in a uh, in the in his you know real more recent films and I love being because you can kind of see the beginning of that like mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed, like, the colors in this film. Like, the reds for, like, almost everything was, like, almost red. And then you have, like, purples and stuff. And those, re- you know, those can represent whatever you feel that they represent. But clearly they're there, like, for for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I love that, like, he was he's always had that knack for, like, imagery and, and that type of detail. And, you know, now that, he, now that he's making, like, full-blown feature-length films... He now has the budget to like really, really expand on that, like to its fullest potential. And yeah. I mean, seeing that at the beginning just blows me away every time. I'm just like, it's so. I, I think that this is such a great example of of watching a, a filmmaker develop. Yeah, absolutely. Know? Like I, if nothing else, like I really enjoy like how he just kind of progressed as an as a director. Yeah. Um, I think it's time to talk about Joan. Well, though. one more one oh, more well, thing. You got, you got another. I got thing? a couple things. Okay. Um, <laughs> I love, love, love the scene where after the after the bed or um after the bathtub scene mm-hmm. where he has a perfectly framed shot. I I mean, in my opinion, it is perfect where you have the oh, father's the father's the- hand clutching the side of mm-hmm. the bathtub, and then you have Isaiah coming out of the bathtub and he's not in focus, but you have his pants bull he's soaking wet because he's literally getting out of the tub and and you have him pulling up his pants and walking away and you and you just have the father's hand like so intensely clutching at that is just like perfection yeah it it was a gorgeous shot to see and like it it was so i i don't know if i really should say gorgeous shot because it was a weird one but like it was so well done mm-hmm. of like how he set up the shot for it and really conveyed like you know without even showing faces like the emotion that like they're going through right now exactly um yeah so that's kind of it honestly that's kind of just really when it comes to that so yeah we need to talk about the mom Mm -hmm. um she is a weird one in a sense because like she doesn't get like any real screen time she doesn't get much screen time but i think her character is really important because mm -hmm. she She's caught in the middle of everything. Well, she's caught in the middle of it, but she knows 
she knows mm-hmm. the entire like she she it, she's a a character who is choosing to ignore the elephant into the room because I think in my opinion she is very big on like perception mm-hmm. you know kind of like when we were talking about Ladybird with Ladybird's mom like very big on like how people view them and although you don't have as much character development with her as as you know you kind of need because again it's a short film and the main focus is really the father and the son so that's like where you know that's where you're getting all of your character uh characterization from i thought that him still being able to like have a character who he isn't able to flush out super well but you still kind of fully understand i thought is really incredible Mm -hmm. for a filmmaker to be able to do that because again like you can just tell that she is so obsessed with being viewed as like a really really beautiful family that like looks kind of like perfect you know yeah and then you have her doing that by choosing to ignore the simple fa- like the the fact of what's really going on in this household and i thought that it was an interesting choice for Ari Aster to have her burn the cocoon man yeah book. yeah i mean cuz i in a way i think like she doesn't know how to deal with this because like you said, she doesn't want anybody to perceive them differently. So, like, how can she go to, like, somebody to, like, tell them, like, hey, this is what happened or, like, this is why it happened or, like, how do we fix this? Because yeah. she doesn't want it outed. So, I think, like, with Burning Cocoon Man and and such a beautiful ending to the film, too, because it really, like, solidified, like, where the family sits at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Like, at this point, you have Sydney who was hit by a car and died. You have Isaiah who was murdered by his own mother because of all of this. Yeah. Which is an intense fight scene too. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of like mother and son. And like the fact that like the son is just so much bigger than her. Not only that, but like he he is fully prepared to just murder his mother. Like yeah. he is not restraining himself But you also have to like way. consider like the simple fact that like he's probably had this kind of pent up his entire life. Yeah. Because he's, he's probably like always hated her mm-hmm. in a way you know because he, i mean he, he, he literally whipped. says to his dad like she, you know like she doesn't she like something to the effect of like you know she never is gonna like be able to like love you as much as i do or whatever something something to that effect i don't remember exactly what it is but he like he's very clearly stating that like he believes that he is more important and a better lover to his father than his wife is yeah and you have to like kind of imagine that like this fight scene has kind of been like a boiling point up for both of them because when she comes in and she questions him and she's like, when did this start? Like, was it like prom night? And then, and then she's like, no, I it was way before that. And I mean, even in like the, the, the opening scenes of like when they're taking that family portrait together, when Isaiah is still like young mm-hmm. and he just keeps looking at the father and she just keeps turning his head. It's like, she's actively, she knows what's going on and she's actively choosing to ignore it. Mm-hmm. And it, and then, you have to imagine that all of the times that she's done things like that to Isaiah, yeah, he's like building up this like hatred towards her a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And then you get like that, you know, the scene of them holding their hands and then him clearly like getting upset about that. So it's just like slowly building and building and building and building until it finally reaches this climactic point of, of, you know, an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. It's yeah. like, we have, we have come to a point where we can no longer ignore each other and we need to figure out what the fuck, like how 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 is this going to end? Because somebody's going to die. Yeah, and that's that's what has to happen. Like at this point. Yeah. And 
again, like I think like burning the the memoirs of Cocoon Man just solidifies like where she's at in her mindset of like, you know, I've gotten rid of like the problem, but it's it's not the full solution. It's kind of like I don't know. I I I I have a f- in my most humble opinion, <laughs> I think that uh, it kind of represents her. She would rather be. She would she would rather go to jail as a murderer, as a murderer, or killing her kid, than have people find out that her son has been raping the father yeah. for years and years and years and years, and the family is not as beautiful on the outside as it seems. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's definitely like where I sat like with it, like at the ending of it. Um, just because like she just doesn't want to be outed for what they really are. Yeah. And this is a way, because this is the only copy. So this is a way that like she can solidify the fact that like, you know, she was the weird one. She was the crazy one. The whole family as a whole was fine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> uh, it's, it's intense. I mean, yeah. it is not, uh, for the faint of heart. Yeah. And <laughs> to convey that in 30 minutes is incredibly hard to do and just showcases like, you know, how good of a director Ari Aster is Yeah, and why we are so excited to always see like what he comes out with next yeah. while, while Midsummer was not like the best thing in our opinion, mm-hmm. it's technically perfect. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I have to admit it's that so it's so fucking well directed. I know, like, it's and that's truly the... incredible. It's so incredible and, and so like jarring in a way that that like everybody kind of will admit like people who don't like the movie will sit there and still be like from a technical standpoint it is perfect. Yeah, and from that's a, from that's... a strictly directorial standpoint it is really immaculate. But some people just don't find the story. Yeah, and I mean. We've had the whole discussion, like yeah. even with Hereditary, like, you know, a lot of people will say like, oh, I didn't really love it, but like it was technically perfect. Yeah. And I think it's, it's a masterpiece of a film. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I, yeah. I, I think like it's, it's right there almost at like 10 out of 10 for Hereditary. Yeah. I and agree. like for your actual first debut film. Yeah. Like that's amazing. Yeah. But it also just sets the bar so high. Yes. That's, because that's then, a problem, you know, because like now it's like Ari Aster has to like keep living up to, it, it, you know, it's wrong to compare a filmmaker's films to, you know, whatever, like whatever they, whatever they've done previously. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Cause even like with Quentin Tarantino, like, you know, with Reservoir Dogs, it, in my opinion, it's it's still one of my favorite films that he's done. Mm-hmm. But like, you set the bar high, yeah. But not like crazy, crazy high. Yeah. Like once once he's once he made Pulp Fiction, then it's hard to kind of be like, okay, where do I go from here? Because like Pulp Fiction became such a masterpiece and became such like a cult classic yeah. that like everybody knew what it was. Yeah, it's kind of like a good point because it's like you set the bar high as like a great storyteller for like Reservoir Dogs mm-hmm. but you don't set it so like there's still room to improve yeah you know like with Hereditary I honestly feel like there's almost no more room to improve it's like yeah. you've you've done everything technically perfect the story is super compelling the acting is incredible and you made a horror film that is genuinely fucking horrific and mm-hmm. genuinely scary where do we go now from here? Yeah. So I do feel like there's probably, you know, like that's one of the reasons as to why a lot of people were kind of like let down by Midsommar because like the expectations were so high. But, um, 
But going taking it back to the strange thing about the Johnsons, seeing this first mm-hmm. and then going in yeah. and then watching, you know, what he's what he's doing now. Then it becomes such a progression. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and you don't have I, I think that like your expectations are a little bit more muted, at least a little bit, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, I definitely think like, you know, watching this as his first film rather than hereditary yeah really gives you the opportunity to be like okay like you know he has room to grow like i'm I'm hoping to see like what he does next Yeah, like look honestly i think i've said this before if i haven't on the podcast then i'm saying i'm saying it now and if i've already said it then i'm saying it again (laughs) uh but i i kind of feel like ari aster is our generation's kubrick yeah honestly um, i do I, I i feel like he like they have such similar like parallels when it comes to like the way that they the way that they shoot the amount of detail the kind of like perfection because Kubrick is like known for being like technically perfect you know mm-hmm. what I mean like very like he almost never has any continuity problems or anything like that obviously The Shining is 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 a uh, but he did that on purpose exactly it's like done purposeful so like that being excluded you know like he's always like technically perfect and he makes these I think Kubrick and Astor have like a weird kind of similarity where like. They have, they can make like small films feel giant. Yeah. Like The Shining is this, in in retrospect, it's actually like a really, again, it's like the breakdown of a family and it's mm-hmm. actually like pretty small, right? It's just like three, three characters really yeah. and the breakdown of them, but yet The Shining feels so giant and like epic. Mm-hmm. And Hereditary is again, like a small, like kind of, you know, four or five people. It's just the core family, but it still feels like larger than life. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. I feel like Ari Aster is kind of like our generation's Kubrick, and I feel like he will continue to just like I feel like every film that he's going to make is going to be is not going to be for everybody, mm-hmm. m- just like most Kubrick films. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? It's so, a very bold statement, but I am like eager to see because I know that he doesn't want to do horror anymore. So yeah, I'm I'm curious to see where that leads to next because yeah. you know Stanley Kubrick has made horror but he's also made like other things that came out like incredibly well yeah like um how i learned to love the bomb right like that's not a horror film right but that's incredible yeah it's just it's interesting man i i I am very very eager to see like to to watch that progression and see him keep going and 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 i'm really excited just for for ari astor as a filmmaker um i think he's an important one to keep an eye out for and although you will acknowledge that again he's not he's not going to be for everybody i think that he's still worth watching for at least the technicalities and whatnot. I mean, it's literally like kind of perfection on screen, you know? Yeah, absolutely. All right, Zach, I have a recommendation. Yeah, what is it? It's been, it's been a while. The Queen's Gambit. (laughs) (laughs) Three weeks in a row. (laughs) (laughs) You have, you watched it? No, no, you started it. I've been doing Lovecraft country. It's really good. Um, all right. So it's been a little while since I've done a music, a music recommendation. Mm -hmm. Um, and I haven't done a hip hop one in a, in a while. Um, so I would like to recommend, in my opinion, one of my favorite hip hop albums. And in my opinion, one of the best hip hop albums ever. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that is Kanye West's My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Oh, that in my opinion is probably his best work. Mm -hmm. And it's a perfect blend of hip hop meeting gospel. Is that and the one with the teddy bear with his glasses? No, that's <laughs> no. <laughs> Is that way far back. Yeah, it's like early, early Kanye. Oh, okay. Uh, my opinion, like my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, is like that 
that like where Kanye was really, really like in his groove. Mm -hmm. And again, it's just like gospel hip hop and rap. And it's just so interesting. And the instrumentation is lush and beautiful. And the lyrics are really like funny and dark. And it's just, it's just perfect in my opinion. Um, and I don't know if you're really, if you ever, you're not really a big hip hop listener. Not I've really. kind of like kind of started backing off of it a little bit as well, but I've kind of like started leaning back into it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and going back and, and listening to uh, my beautiful, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. I was just like, it's such a good fucking album. Like it still holds up. It's so great. It, and it's just, there's funny fucking lines all the, like, it's just, it's great. It's really great. Yeah. Um, so I highly, highly recommend it. Nice. Did you ever see the thing where it's like him on American Idol pretending to be like a nobody and be like, I'm going to rap for you guys. No. And like Kim Kardashian's there is like, yeah, we, like we've been preparing for like weeks. Like he's, I, I believe in him. I know he's going to get that golden ticket. And it's just him rapping. It's just corny. Like, yeah. like, <laughs> like you don't need to do that. And then you're shit. like, Please you know stop. what? Here's the ticket. Yeah. Yeah. And then Kanye wins the whole season. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, so Zach. Cool. What recommendation? No, I'm sorry. What uh, what are what film are we doing next? <laughs> uh, to continue with Fala Lala films. Oh joy! Well, yeah, <laughs> you get it. You're getting into the spirit, Frank. <laughs> um, so we're gonna be doing like a different one that I haven't seen yet, oh. but like we were switching it up a little bit. Oh. Um, so we are going to be doing a movie called Tokyo Godfather. So okay, it is an anime film. Okay. Um, so it's gonna be subtitled. That's fine. Yep. Um, but it looks really interesting where it's just three homeless people who find a baby on the side oh, of the right. road. Oh, right. You were telling me about this. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. On Christmas, and they're trying to find, like, its parents. Right. So, okay. Tokyo Godfather. Nice. That's up next. All right. um, it's on Amazon Prime for sure. I think okay. it's on YouTube. So, like, if anybody wants to check it out beforehand, so you can get in on the discussion. Yep. Highly recommend that. Also, mm-hmm. something that I would love to mention um, is... If you are listening and you're still listening at this point, um, it'd be really cool if you, whatever platform that you guys listen to us on, if you left, if you left us a rating, I would really appreciate that. Um, I think Zach would too. <laughs> yeah. Rating. Um, and then like, even so like in the comments, just say like what you would prefer. Right. So or we like- do have an Instagram, uh, roll the credits podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a Facebook page, roll the credits podcast. Uh, and we have Podbean uh, as well. Oh, right on. And Podbean, which is like, kind of like this weird thing where you can also listen to podcasts but um yeah so you can like follow us on those on, on the social media and then you guys can like kind of like drop comments on like what films you want to see what films uh you know that we haven't done that you would really think that you would like to hear us discuss and whatnot um and just kind of like get in more on the conversation itself and then drop dropping a, a rating would be really really awesome and helpful uh, just to help like this podcast grow and we kind of want to form like a community here. So, um, yeah. So leaving a rating either on whatever it is, Spotify or Apple podcast or whatever it is would be really, really helpful. So, um, other than that, that's it. Zach, please, please, please take us home. All right, guys. I'm also going to, for a community thing, I'm going to try and figure out like a, a name for our community. You know, like people do that. The roll boys. The rollers. <laughs> <laughs> We're the rollers now. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to start getting leather jackets and, you know. I'm halfway there. Yeah, kind (laughs) of. All right, guys. So thank you for listening. Now, Frank, this is just the start.